Father, that you are going to be blessed this morning. You are going to be so blessed this morning. I want you to tune your hearts and close your eyes with me wherever you are. I surrender all to you. Everything I give to you. You can lift up your hands with me and surrender to Jesus. Withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. I surrender. You are lifting up everything into His hands. Oh Jesus, we surrender. Everything. Withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. Let it be a communication between you and Jesus. Begin to build up that desire in you. Build up that desire. Have an encounter with the Spirit of God. And at this point, you have to let go of anything that could be a possible interference with the move of God. I gave to you withholding nothing. Withholding nothing, withholding nothing, I surrender, I surrender all to you, everything I divine presence. We thank you for abundance of revelation in your word. We thank you for 
the great and unsearchable wisdom made available to us in the proclamation of your word. May we be changed because of encounters with your word. We are never the same because of your spirit. We are transformed and we are made alive. We give you praise. We bless your name. In Jesus' name. Can we say a big amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So God bless you so much. You can be seated. You can be seated. It's a beautiful Sunday and I'm so excited to see everyone here. I thank God for the beautiful faces. I'm saying I thank God for such a wonderful life that God has given to you. And I know your life has just started unfolding. You've not seen anything yet. God is about to do great and marvelous things with your life. So receive God's word. And trust him that he will take you through the process. And he will surely bring you out refined in his word. Hallelujah. Amen. I think it's the first time you're hearing from me this year, right? Okay. Or you heard from me on your first. Okay. That's good. So, um, I want to teach on uh, uh, discipleship, the making of a true disciple. Yes. The making of a true disciple. During the week, I started teaching you about spiritual maturity and I made you understand that when you look at the content of a believer, you realize that the content of a believer is, is, is full of divinity. He is full of divinity. When... For instance, if I say this is a Coca-Cola bottle, what do I expect to see in it? I expect to see Coke in a Coca-Cola bottle. Yes. So, in the same angle, from the same perspective, when, when God looks at the one who is in Christ, He sees one that has been baptized into Christ. You see, one that has been immersed into Christ. So now, your outer covering is actually Christ. And what is inside of you is actually Christ. You see, you can liken it to an object or a bottle that is being drowned in the ocean. So you have a bottle, it has empty space inside. And that empty space is capable of what? Taking in the contents of the ocean. So when you immerse it into the into the ocean, what happens? The water goes into it and then it is covered completely by the water. So when God looks at us as believers, He sees Himself. There is a song that goes like this. God made me pure in heart. Most of you might not really know how to sing. He said, when you look at me, you don't see anything else but it is yourself that you see so in other words when God is looking at us God sees a mirror or a true reflection of himself let me not use mirror 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 is virtual but then in spiritual realities God sees a vessel full of himself so that's the present day reality of the believer you are in Christ and Christ in you no wonder he speaks about the hope 
of life. He speaks about the hope of glory. It has to do with the unfolding of your true content of who you are. And the reason why we do not yet see the perfection of who you are is because of the limitation of this veil. This body, we call it a veil. And it is in God's intention that at a point, this veil shall be glorified. This veil, not necessarily being taken away, but then the true identity of who you are. Fleshless identity of who you are, which is pure divinity, will be revealed. And in time, in time, it always appears as if what God has spoken is not coming to pass. So now, the prophetic word concerning the believer is that we know that Christ in him, the hope of glory. When you look through the ages, you realize that God gave his word concerning the one that was to come. He ministered through the prophets. And all those days, it appeared that these things were just in prophecies. But then we are sure that the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. But holy men of God speak as they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. And even when the scribes and the Pharisees, they believe in that they have become, become doctors of the law. They, they have mastered the Torah. They have mastered the prophets. They themselves, because of their eyes veiled, they couldn't decode the one that was to come. And even they that were expecting, they anticipated in hope. They wished it was so close. They wanted to see it. So God credited it to them as faith. You get it? Which was what the hope that they had. Of that substance that they were looking for, which is Christ. So now faith is the substance of things hopeful. The evidence of things not seen. So, uh, in context, the faith there is not necessarily about your definition of faith as being a spiritual currency to take from God and translate things from the realms of the spirit into the physical. It is basically talking about the substantiation of Jesus in the flesh. And yet, many, not being in that time, were still able to testify of him. They were able to prophesy of him. They were able to experience him from afar off. So when the Lord spoke to someone like Abraham, Abraham wasn't just seeing uh, cattle, lands, gold. No. He saw something beyond. He saw a city. And the city was in Jerusalem. The city was beyond Jerusalem. You can talk about the heavenly Jerusalem. He saw a city that God himself built. And he himself sojourned in the land of promise. Intense and all that and all that. Yet his focus wasn't that. Because a word has gone before him that in you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Assuming he was just dealing with uh, dealing with the issue of genealogy. We know that people came before Abraham. And, and if we are trying to trace the descendants of Abraham. If you are trying to trace, I know some of us have tried to fit ourselves into 
into it so that we can feel acceptable. But if you try to fix yourself and you try to trace it, you realize that it still doesn't really match well. Because how can all the nations of the earth be blessed because of one man? If they were just coming to come out of one man, out of one man's seed, so-called seed. It means that it is beyond that. For the nations of the whole, for the nations of the earth to be blessed, it means that it is beyond the seed of what? One man. So, the seed that was supposed to be a blessing to the nation, it wasn't talking about uh, Abraham's literal descendants, but it was talking about the picture that God had in mind when he called a man. Did you get it? The kind of picture that God had in mind when he called a man. And it is more spiritual than just what? Physical genealogies. And out of these genealogies, many people have argued. You are exhorted to run away from some, such uh, arguments concerning genealogies and this. My uncle, my uncle, this, 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 this. We trace. You know. What we have to see is the picture of Jesus in whom all the nations of the earth are blessed. Why? Because just as in one man, sin came into the world. And as a result of that, death was passed on unto all men. So in one man, men are made alive. And it is in the man who? Jesus. So when you talk about the entire nations of the earth being blessed, it has to do with who? Everyone. Everyone on the face of the earth partaking of the blessings of our Lord Jesus. So it is beyond the physical genealogy of Abraham. That's how come those that are far off. Those that are far off. I don't know when you were studying the book of Acts, you realized that when Peter was even talking, you know. Though they felt restricted to the Jewish religion, they felt restricted to the people that are from uh, Judaism, that okay, uh, the promise is to the Judaizers. So they would just keep to themselves. He realized that even in his speech, he ended up saying that those are far off. Some way, somehow, he knew that the presence of God was not limited to just a few people. So even though he had his own... Uh, should I say, ethnic issues. And sometimes because of your foundations, it becomes very difficult to really relate. Is it true? Is it true? Is it true? And it's some way. So someone who has actually ministered to Gentiles at another point was trying to run away and to uh, set himself apart from Gentiles all because of a little misunderstanding there. Though they knew within them that this thing is beyond this, 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 this promise of the Father is beyond. It's for each and every one. So, I came here to tell you that God has you in mind. And He has great promises for you. And the promise is not about physical blessings. The effect of the promise is it can show up in physical blessings. You get it? It is beyond physical blessings. Physical blessings, they are, they are, they are not permanent. They are temporal. No wonder he speaks about the kind of treasures that we are supposed to lay. They are supposed to be treasures that have what? Eternal value. They are supposed to be treasures that are imperishable. 
So be mindful. How many of you have seen uh, mouse chew money before? You've all seen it. Okay. And then how about you have seen mouse punch holes into your food somewhere at the corner by the time you realize they've eaten into Okay. So that's what happens to earthly temporal treasures. They are subjected to decay. Somebody says, oh no, gold, you can keep gold there, gold there, gold. Eh. Yes, you can keep gold there, gold there, gold. But you know you die and leave the gold. Do you get it? So, our minds should be more of things above. Therefore, think on these things. Think on things that are above. I believe that when you're able to put God in His place, in His rightful place, God Himself is able to engineer that true balance in your life. God is the most perfect engineer. And you realize that many that walk with God if you want to study the scriptures, the people that they mentioned that worked with God, you realize that they were blessed. They were blessed. But what was first? It was the word of the Lord. Do you get it? And the physical blessings that he experienced was as a result of the word of the Lord. The promise that came to Abraham was what? When he was, he didn't really have any, any child from from Sarah. And then God was give, talking about nations. God was talking about the entire human race being blessed because of this man. How possible could it be when he himself is childless? How possible could it be? But remember, he caught the word. He caught the word. And he saw beyond that. It was the word that came first. And later we realized that, oh, he was blessed. In fact, he was already blessed. Before he even moved out. But he became more blessed. And we can see how the blessings was passed on from what? Generation to generation. So, the first thing that we need to look at is what? The things that are above. No wonder Jesus understood that there is this particular system that has maneuvered its way into the life of men. And this system tried to be at par with God and tries to take the place of God. Jesus warns, be mindful of this. You cannot serve two masters. Hallelujah. The system tries to run at par with God. And be careful when they outrun. Because everything that be, all the things that we are saying, says that all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And if there is anything in existence right now, even demonic entities, the reason why we have such beings is because of. The sustenance of the Christ life. Do you get it? Scripture says that he upholds all things by the word of his power. So the reason for our existence, the reason for everything we are seeing, the harmony in the cosmos, the whatever you are seeing, the reason why it is is because there is a what a sustaining force 
Do you get it? So now, if the sustaining force or the creative force is there, why will you go for that which is created? Why will you go for that which is made instead of going for that which the creator himself? Because if you get a creator, whatever it is that made all things to be, by revelation you begin to understand these mysteries. And then things are made to be. And things are made to favor your cause. No wonder David will say that the Lord is my shepherd. He shall never lack any good thing. No wonder he says that you should seek him first. And then all these things are additions to it. May the Lord open our eyes to appreciate the things that are more important. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. There is always something that is important. Okay, so Matthew 19, let's go to verse number 18. Oh, sorry. Let, let's let's move down. What's saying? Okay. Are you there? Matthew nine. Matthew nineteen verse nineteen. Let's go. Says that honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Those of you who understand the scriptures, those of you who followed the scriptures for last year, at least you have a good understanding of what is happening. Okay. He said, And behold, one man came and said unto him, Good master, what what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? That's from the 16. And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is uh, God. But if thou would enter into life, keep his commandments. So remember, Jesus was born under the law and he fulfilled the law. He was the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. You get it? And Jesus, being a good teacher, being a good master, there's this one young man, or let's say rich person, I'm using a young man because of you, came and wanted to know. All these years that they have been keeping the law, they have been doing everything, every requirement that has been given to them from Moses. They believe that the law was eternal and it was their life. Because Moses told them that he placed before them life and death. But then he, he instructs them to choose what? Life that they may live. And then he outlined the instructions. He gave them all the words that they needed. 
and he attached all the blessings and the curses that comes along with it. You get it. So they knew all these things. So they were very careful. They were people that are trying to, as much as possible to uh, keep a certain face before the Lord. But in some way, somehow, there is some level of uncertainty within them, even though they knew that they were keeping. Hallelujah. It's not a time for us to go into grace and the Lord, but then it tells you something that they felt that there was something more to be done. That is what the mentality of uh, efforts do. When you are trying to do more, you always feel insufficient and you feel that what else should be done? And you always feel incomplete. And because of this, you realize that there was always a consciousness of sin. Hey, has the sacrifice been done well? Even the priest himself, is he okay? What is happening? I wish you It's okay every year. Let's do it in case it has not been done properly. Their consciousness of sin was not able to be taken away by the practicing of all the instructions given in the law until Jesus came. You see? And he came so that we'll be able to be have liberation from the consciousness of sin. Time will, time will not permit me to talk about that. So, 17, and he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He said unto him, Thou shalt not what murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness unto thy father, thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man said unto him, All these things have I kept from youth upwards, from my life, from my youthful days. I've been keeping all these things. I've kept all this, but still he feels what? Not satisfied. Something is still missing. Only Christ can satisfy you. Amen. Amen. It's just like a similar encounter that Jesus had with a woman at the well. He being a, she being a Samaritan, they started arguing on the issues of theology. Which place, which, which mountain should the Lord be worshipped and all that. And all of them felt that they were right. Jesus made her feel that she was wrong. But at the end, whatever longing that was in her heart, Jesus satisfied that longing. You get it? That's by the fact that, oh, you people are saying that we should worship at Jerusalem. You people are saying that we should go to the mountains. So the time is coming, the time is now where the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So the reason why they were lacking so much they were feeling so insufficient was because things were not done in spirit and in truth. And Jesus had to unveil these things to her. And that was the greatest satisfaction of her life. She has been trying to look for satisfaction everywhere. She felt that the satisfaction will be in a man. Okay, if I get this man, I'll feel okay. You know, when you get a man or you, get, you are happy, but it's for, it's, for, it's for a short time. It's for a short time. Even those that marry, they marry and then you realize that the joy will be there, but it's for a short time. And if you do not master the word of God, 
when you enter into a certain phase of marriage. Now what happens? Because you do not know God's word or the word of God is not your main direction. Now you are tired. That's how come you hear people guys saying that, oh, you cannot eat wachi for the whole year. You cannot continue to eat one food for the whole year. You've heard boys say that, right? But me, I live on rice. I can eat rice all, like, that's, I, can, I can live on rice all, all the days of my life. So what kind of deception is this? You see? And then they'll try to back it with nutrition. Saying that, oh, at least yeah, when you eat kenke, today you eat like you need variety. Really? Maybe you've not discovered recipes that you can do with just one food. Hallelujah. Amen. It's a message. So, when this happens, if those people in, 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 in marriage take these things uh, seriously, and those that are in relationships and all that, you'll be getting married soon. So, when that happens, and now, the fire seems, the fire of your first love seems not to be there. What happens? This is where cheating comes in. And people try to find satisfaction from other people. Why can't your man be your satisfaction? <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. So, it's something that has to be learned. You have to learn it. You have to learn it. We are not talking about marriage today, but that's just by the way. Okay. So Jesus said unto him, If thou will be perfect. Okay, the young man said unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? What is it that I'm lacking? And Jesus said unto him, If you will be perfect, go and sell. Go and sell that thou hast. He said, go and sell whatever you have. You know, this, this is a rich young man. Hallelujah. And he said he has kept the law, but he's still feeling what? You see, when Paul was saying that the law is spiritual, and he wasn't actually condemned the law, the people actually missed the spirituality of the law, because if their meditation was exactly on the law, and they didn't see the law just as any written object, they would have seen the law in the light of Christ. And Christ would have been revealed to them because the law was actually concealed what? Christ. Do you get it? But then they didn't see. They saw it as an it instead of an him. So they missed the encounter with him. And then it rather became an issue of arguments and, 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 and who can decode, who can do this, who can... It, it, it just became more of an intellectual thing. And, and, and mere practice as a result of demand. So now if someone is honoring the father, if someone is honoring the man of God, if someone is honoring the priest or anything, it's because, oh, the Lord said it. And they felt that the actions alone is what was needed. But then, they forgot that it is purely spiritual and it's a matter of the heart. The, 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 <clears throat> the fulfillment of the law was supposed to be in their heart. So now, they acting on these things without it coming from the heart, from, from, from the heart, from God's perspective, it wasn't the fulfillment of the law. No wonder they started to feel all those forms of what? Insatisfaction in them. So they knew they were keeping. Like, 
okay, you said I should do this, I, I, I'm doing it. But you know that your boss can tell you that do this and you, you will do it and still you are not happy. And even if your boss is not on challenge, this man is worrying me. All the time you say, do this, do this, do that, do that. But then at the end too, you will do it. You get it. It is not in your heart, but then this actions, an action like this before God is, is, is incomplete. Because what God sees as substance in the realms of the spirit, it comes from the foundation of the heart. It comes from the depth of the heart. Not necessarily the actions. No wonder when it came to the issue of, um, of, 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 let's say, life challenges, life issues, immorality, and all those things. Just that, look, you would think that, oh, someone is defiled because of what he physically does. What he, he eats or what he doesn't eat. But then let me tell you this truth. Let me tell you this truth. He said, out of the heart comes all these things. He was trying to expose the complexity of the heart. And how the heart can be so different even from our actions. Because what I'm saying, you can relate. Even when your father tells you to do something, when you were a kid, most of you, your parents complain. When I tell him to do this, he doesn't do it. Then I do it myself. Sometimes you go and do it, but it's not even in your heart. Hallelujah. But in our dealings with God, it's different. And it must come from a pure and a clean heart. Hallelujah. Okay, so let's move on. So Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell what that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And then come and what? Follow me. Look into the eyes of your neighbor and tell him that go and sell all that you have. And then come and follow me. <laughs> come on. It, look at it. Is it a difficult one? Oh, Laura says it's not difficult. Come on. Laura, go and sell all that you have. And then come and lay it at apostle's feet. Follow me. You see that it is difficult. And I believe the man was also like, I mean, he would have practiced some of these things. But now, Jesus touched at this something that his heart is so connected to. And that thing is actually running at par with God. The condition of his heart. What is actually resting with God. There. And when Jesus touched on it. That didn't hit him. He realized that this one is a difficult one. Upon him saying that all these things have I kept since my youthful days till now. But when Jesus said, Oh, before you can follow me, because if you follow me, you have eternal life. You go try and take away anything that is at par with him. If he had not mentioned that thing specifically, he, he still wouldn't, he would still be looking for a solution. But then Jesus had to give him something that he, he knows in his heart that this one is hard. Because how can you go and work? You work all the days of your life. And then you meet a man and he says that come and bring all that you have worked. 
or go and sell all that you have worked. Come and push the money to the poor and then follow me. This is a difficult one. Because you feel that your, your toil, your sweat has gone into these things. I hope, I hope God is ministering to your heart. Look, as I'm teaching these things, look at the things that your heart is so much attached to. Some of you might not be working, so you might not be feeling the, what we are talking about. And some of you have not suffered because you are still under the, your parents' guidance and they are still giving you money. But even that, when you encounter challenges with finances, how do you feel? He said, go and sell all that you have. And follow me. But the young man, when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful. He went away what? Sorrowful. No wonder these days when you when you sometimes visit certain churches and and then you are coerced to to give. <laughs> you go back sorrowful because you have great possessions that you cannot let go. And then sometimes you try to satisfy your conscience by saying that, oh, the man of God likes so much money there. And then you try and ignore. What if it is God? What if it is God? What was the issue in the uh, Acts chapter 6? What happened? What's the place where it was talked about Ananias? And Sapphira, it is you now that you said, oh, we are going to sell all that we have to come and push the, the work of God so that nobody will lack. And then the man of God only asked the question, oh, is this all that you brought? Like, is this all that you got from the, from the sales of the land? It was just a, oh, man of God, okay, we wanted to give half. So, this is half. It would have solved the issue. But then in the presence of this era of the Holy Ghost, you look into the eyes of the man of God. And then you say that, oh, man of God is true. It is, this is all the money we got from the land. What a lie before the Holy Ghost. Why has Satan filled your heart? And then he breathed his last and fell. And you can see that they've already planned. He planned with the wife that, oh, when we get to Pastor, Pastor Peter, <laughs> let's tell him that this is all that we got so that we can keep the rest for, for ourselves. Nobody forced you to give your all. You could have chosen to bring half. They said they gave as they, they had. Like whatever you feel is your capacity, you give. So when it comes to issues of possession, you can see how people are so attached to the point that they can lie to God they can lie to <laughs> these possessions. One day we will tackle the issue of God and mammon. Why Jesus was talking about these things. And when Jesus is talking, he seems to be stressing on treasures. Treasures you are gathering on the earth. Seems to be stressing on things which are related to what a man can get and feel satisfied on the earth. Because you are thinking... That God cannot take care of you. But you are the same person that saying, you take care of me. My lifetime. Meanwhile, you know that you are cushioning yourself with something. This one, yeah. yeah. 
You know there is no God that is there. He is like. And then your fellow brothers that are suffering. You say, Italy, God is blessing these people and all that. And, but you know what you are doing. It, this, this is something which is also happening. In workplaces and all that. People are stealing. People are doing all sort of. All sort of things. And when you ask them. Oh, it's the grace of God. Oh, it's the grace of God that pushed me through. Meanwhile, we know that it's addition of zeros and, and, and the changing of figures and all that. And then they, they make you feel that you are not blessed. It's like as if the grace of God didn't, didn't, didn't get to your place. When it was going, it stopped at your... <laughs> they make you feel so miserable. That's the grace of God, though. It's the grace of God. But they are hidden what? Hidden things. Amen. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. Please, it doesn't mean that if you are rich, you won't enter into the kingdom of heaven. Understand the scenario that he's giving. He's talking about attachment to earthly possessions. Attachment to earthly possessions. No wonder, you know, and this, this, this is a tendency in every man that is seated here. No wonder you wish you were not born here. Most of you wish that you were born in a UK. Some of you wish you were born in Sweden. Some of you were born, you were born somewhere, cry, and you are not, you are not okay with the fact that you are born in Africa, the habitable zone of the earth. You want to, no matter how chill the place is. I saw a video of one man, and he was working in the snow, working and removing ties. I know the video has is circulated on Facebook. I know that he told them that like. This is how they come and suffer here. But then they will still be there. Like, they will still make the money. And then when you poor are here, you are saying, oh, bugger, bugger, send money, bugger, send money. They are suffering there. So some of this mentalities that we have is a, is, a, is a true reflection of our heart that all of us have a certain kind of attachment or affinity towards earthly possessions. Because these things are the things that run at par with God. Why should God compare God and, 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 and the spirit behind worldly wealth? It is competing with us. And right now you can see that in your lives, Mammon is winning. Yeah. But God is merciful. Hallelujah. You can see, you can clearly see, see the number of hours you spend. How many, what percentage of your life is given to God? It shows clearly what is taken. And, and, and then from the worst perspective, the world will be saying that ah, people are there building churches. Uh, they are doing spiritual things, spiritual things. And, and instead of them building factories and things, you've had some people make all sort of comments. Hey, we want development and this. And everything is just related to what? Earthly possession and and so-called development. I'm not saying development is not good. The word of God brings so much riches. But then, we need to know how to prioritize these things. 
Because Abraham was not poor. His children were not poor. Even those people, those that were not the children of promise, they are way, way, way rich. You can trace the descendants and see, and see what is happening with their lives. They are not poor. Just a blessing from the Father. You see, so we are not saying that earthly possessions are not good. Yes, earthly possession, in some instance, it validates or it, it confirms the presence of God in a man's life. Because the Bible talks about true success and prosperity that comes when you abide by God's word. You get it? It is so true. And the reason why true success and prosperity can come from God's word is because God's word is what is the maker of all things, is the creator of all things, so it can make whatever it wants to make. Do you get it? But now, when we begin to depend on the worldly systems of, I mean, earthly acquisitions, this is where now it, it, it runs and challenges God. So now we begin to worship it. You said, oh, I'm not worshipping, I'm not worshipping my, but you know what worship is? Worship is not No. That one you are singing songs of I mean yeah, you are singing songs. It's, it helps you to uh, to worship. But most of you have been singing songs up to now it has still not transformed your life. You get it. You have been singing songs. Some of these songs are meant to transform. You don't you don't really have an encounter with the song. So you sing and sing. You've been singing songs from childhood up till now. Still, you, you are not reading your Bible. You are reading your Bible, pray every day, read your Bible, pray every day. You're still not reading your Bible up till now. So how has that song transformed you for, for the 25 years, 30 years of your life? It has done nothing. So there is a possibility to sing uh, so-called songs of worship and still not be truly worshipping. Because worship is done in spirit and truth. It must be solely based on on God's word and, and worship has to do with what God made you for and you accomplishing that that is true worship you get it so that being a conformed to the patterns of this world but be you transformed by the renewal of your mind then you'll be able to what proof what is the good and acceptable and the perfect will of God it has to do with the renewal of your mind and conformity to the divine nature. That is true worship. It's not just it's not in the songs. The songs are supposed to inspire you and bring you into fellowship with God. So you are encouraged that you should sing songs in the spirit. Speaking to yourself in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart unto God. But before that, it talks about what being drunk, intoxicated with the wine of the spirit. That is what real drunkenness, tarrying at the wine, drinking the wine of the Holy Ghost, talks about fellowship. You see? And fellowship, God rubs himself on you. And you, your fragrance is that of God. You begin to smell like God. You begin to talk like God. You begin to look like God. Hallelujah. Amen. Let me just leave before I start teaching on worship. Okay. And again, I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. So there's a mystery 
around this is not just it's not referring to this needle eye, but even when you make that assumption, at least it, it still makes sense. But when his disciples heard, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? I thought that all of you are guilty of this sin. Attachment to earthly possessions and, and the proof of it is your present state. You see? So, and Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With man, this is what? Impossible. But with God, all things are possible. But Peter was still concerned about this thing because Charlie, how can we survive? Let's, let's follow what did Jesus say. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, 27, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. These were what? The disciples of, of, of Jesus. And these were people that were having their boats. They were, some of them were shipping with their fa- they were fishing with their fathers. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, a man appears from nowhere, hires your boats and uses your boats as a platform to preach. And he calls you now to be a fisher of men rather than a fisher of fishes. And we know that in this world, we don't sell men to, to eat men. No. We eat what is, what we work for, what we fish out. So now, what is, how can Jesus cause them to, to move from being fishers of what? Fishes to fishers of men. And he calls it a greater calling or, or, or a vocation. The vocation worthy of their calling. And he's referring to this new work he called them for as something that is higher. Do you know why these disciples those that follow Jesus, they, they are going to have extraordinary places in the heavenlies. No wonder in the visions, of, the visions of John the Apostle, what he could see was this man. Their, 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 their life and character and is woven into the very fabric of the building which we are. Hallelujah. They partake of the blessing of each and every one of us because we are actually products of their work. They form the great foundations. So what shall we get? What shall we get? People have been asking this question, what shall we get for following you? Saying that we have left all things, everything that we have. So what does it mean? Look, <laughs> the mark of a true disciple. What do you see there? What was their hallmark here? He said, what shall we get? Seeing we have what? Left all things to what? Follow you. They've left all their possessions. Remember the scenario before. It was out of their scenario that Peter realized that, hey, this is the decision that we have taken. Then who can be saved if the master is saying something like this? This master is a hard master. Then who then can be saved? 
Then he asked, then what shall we get if we are letting go of everything that we have worked for? Just to follow you. What shall we get? What shall we get? This is serious. Let's see what Jesus says. But my focus is, what shall we get? If you see God calling you for this greater profession, this greater vocation, you should know that there is something bigger than whatever you think you can get with your own strength. Because you realize that what Jesus was referring to, to really inherit the heavenly riches. I mean, it, it's serious. He said, to let go of all things. And let me explain. Remember, when God is dealing with us, He deals with us on the tables of our hearts. Remember. So, whatever He's actually referring, the emphasis that He's giving here is actually referring to the state, the condition of your heart. Hallelujah. So, let's, 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 let me give this scenario. For instance, uh, the... The old widow that came to give the small offering. Very small offering. And yet, that was all what? His possessions. If it was in this present day time. And let's say I'm standing by the offering bowl. You know, Jesus, Jesus was actually looking into it. Whatever you are bringing. So, it's not a sin if you're a man of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, but in this our generation... This is what happens when no one that James was warning of us, he said, he said, when we are seated in the church meeting and then all of a sudden a rich man appears, then we say, oh, rich man, come and sit here. And then the people that you feel that they do not have anything, you position them anywhere. I'm not saying that you shouldn't honor those that you are supposed to honor. But he's making a point which has to do with our hearts. And this, this is even across board. Whether you are a minister or you are a disciple or you are, you are, you are just an ordinary Christian, which there is none like that. You see, it cuts across. Because it has to do with what? With our hearts. So naturally, the one that helps me more is the one that... Uh, that you, be, you, 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 you have a good affinity for. So the one that brings more money, you look into it. Hey, this guy, Charlie, this, this person supports the gospel cry. He's my favorite. And many men, men of God have gone on this path. And they've lost valuable people that could have been great foundations and pillars in the church of God. All because they were ignored because of their physical financial status. There's something I know I know of. I speak not a lie. Hallelujah. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all things and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? What shall we have? You know, though we've left everything, we are still asking the Lord, what shall we have? Because as we are on the earth, we must eat. Food is needed for survival. Luxury is needed for, I mean, I mean to be happy in this world. 
we have followed you. What shall we eat? Haven't you realized that though Jesus was a mighty man and he knew all men, he was rich. In fact, he's the, he's the custodian of everything. The gold and everything belongs to him. He himself needed supporters. It's interesting how women had to come and support him. So what is it that the women saw in him? How about they say anointing? Are you sure? Yeah, women like anointing. Yeah, you like him, but he will not marry you. Like, you see the thing. I think I was watching the, one of the movies, the way they framed it. Jesus' mother was talking to, to Mary. And he told her, Mary was talking to Mary. He told her that, I can see that you really like, you love my son. And the lady said, yes, I really love him. And the mother said, I loved him too. But you have to be prepared to lose him. Because he came on an assignment. So sometimes, what is it at all that we see? What did they see in the life of Jesus that they were willing to? Sometimes it seems that women are more sensitive. And they are able to see from afar. So, husbands, sometimes listen to your word. Listen to your wives. No wonder sometimes when you have issues with them, you yourself, you can't pray well. And when you pray, it looks like nothing is going through. Because you know that, Charlie, this prayer that I'm praying now, me now, my, my, my fellow sister that is lying by me, I'm not in good terms with him. How do you expect to, to, to pray well? No wonder it's best for you to solve some of these little, little, little life issues and live at peace with all men. That gives you a certain kind of soundness and, and it makes you, it makes it easy for you to maneuver in the spirit. Or else, as you are praying, like, your, your mind is not there. You know you have an issue. No wonder Jesus even addressed such issues in his uh, speeches. Okay. Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me. Are we listening? And Jesus said, Unto them, verily I say unto you that it means that most assuredly I say unto you, Jesus was sure that ye which have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging twelve tribes of Israel. So he speaks of the ages to come. These men felt that they have lost their life purpose. People would tell them, ah, why are you following this man? Why are you following this? It's the same thing that is happening on the earth. When, when people, when people are, they are coming to realize their need and their test for God, sometimes, way, somehow, there is interference in their, in their life. Ah, why are you following this man? Why are you chasing this man? Hey, go and do this. But they don't know that in doing that, they are trying to drive you away from what? Your life's purpose. 
and something that can actually secure for you great treasures in the ages to come. Treasures which do not what even perish. And because our parents are sometimes they have also been trapped by by affinity to the earthly possessions. They sometimes miss it. And they only get to know that their children chose the right path when they get out of this body. So some parents will hinder their children. Don't, don't, go and do this, go and do that, go and do that. Don't do the work of, don't mention this in this house. All because they might have seen a few experiences of, of ministers of God not really being able to take good care of themselves and all that. And sometimes all that they want is prestige. Everything is to them. It's to them. It's to them. The pride of life. So I want you to go to school. Become a big man so that people can also say, call me somebody. Haven't you heard your parents saying that? So that me too. Yes. They will say that I'm, I'm, I'm somebody. Oh, this is my son. This is my, and then, yes, they are proud. They, they will be happy about it and all that. But some of the steps that parents have taken have taken their children from the path of life and ministry. Interesting. Jesus didn't end there. So he promised them, look, and everyone that are forsaken houses. So now is addressing the things that you like. First of all, he told you what will come. Do you remember one man, one, 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 one old woman brought his sons to to Jesus and was trying to secure a place on the throne. What at all were the women seeing? They were seeing beyond. He said, Master, in your kingdom to come, like, uh, let this my son be here and this one be here. He knows, like, I don't know, some way deep within them by intuition, they know that, mm, no, I need to secure a place for this my children. But even this one is not supposed to become a competition because it's the work of the ministry. But then, they, they know of the glory to come. They know of the glory to come. He said, and everyone that has forsaken houses or brethren or sisters, you see, sometimes the level, the intensity of, 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 of forsaken is so high to the point that sometimes you have to run away from your families. This is how serious it is. Family will always be family. You will love your family and all that. And we have seen it with our eyes. And how when people decide to follow the Lord, their families begin to forsake them. They, they, it's not even them that are forsaking their families. So. <laughs> Automatically they forsake you. So it's like, they feel that you've gone on the wrong path. So everyone that had forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, you can see how far it can go. When you look at some of the greatest men and women of God in history, you realize that there's something that they had to let go. Some of them had to let go of their businesses. Some of them had money. Long time, I was listening to one Assemblies of God, Minister of God. And he was explaining how he was wealthy even in the 1980s. So, so, so wealthy. I was there. Mama came there actually then. President Muhammad came there. And he told them that they, they knew him as a wealthy man. You know, if John Muhammad's family is, 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 is wealthy, and at that time this man was wealthy, like 
He said, God called him. Anyway, he did not lose all his, his wealth. He didn't lose all his wealth. But then, what he's trying to say that he was wealthy. He didn't come into ministry because of money. And he mentioned the class he was using then. And you know that, Charlie, he's a man of class. But then he left houses. He left wealth. He left the richest cars. Because God has called. Hallelujah. May the Lord help you to say yes in Jesus' name. Say, I'll say yes to the Lord. I'll say yes. I'll say yes to your will. I don't know what a time will permit me to talk about me saying yes to the Lord. Time might not permit me, but okay. And everyone that had forsaken houses or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive an hundredfold. Some say hundredfold is hundred times as much. Some also say that from the, like when you go into the depth of the calculations, hundredfolds have to do with raising to the power. It's, it's mind blowing. So you know that if it is being raised to the power, that it is beyond this earthly possessions. Because if naturally, it's even just times hundred. Look, what God has in mind for you. It's beyond earthly possessions. Think, think beyond. Abraham thought beyond. He was not poor. You will not be poor in life in Jesus' name. You will do well in life in Jesus' name. I see you moving forward in Jesus' name. Shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit what? everlasting life. So, this shows a clear difference between those that are just chasing the systems of the world to make some of these things. There is a promise of eternal life which we have now because we are following Him. There's a promise to eternal life. You know, Pastor Chris said something some time ago in his word. He talks about how we need the word of God in our spirit. And all that. You know, in this present day, many of us, this is what we, oh, come to church and the Lord will change your life and make you better. It's a good welcoming of people to church. Oh, come to church. Okay, you have this issue. God will heal you. Yes, there is so much anointing to heal in the presence of God. Because He purchased healing for us. By His stripes we were healed. And His presence, by His presence we cast out devils and all that. We see miracles. So, it's good to tell people, oh, come to church. Let's see. Okay, see the minister of God. He can talk to you and pray for you and things will be fine. It's a good thing. But how do you go and minister to 
a man in high office. The apostles, especially Paul, he said, yes, I ministered, but I privately had to minister to certain people. Lest by any chance I might have run away for my life. There are certain people that you might not easily get to. Um, such people, when you meet, these people are already having possessions. They are already wealthy. So, what is it that you can promise them that they seem not to have? Look, all your problems, 99% of your problems now. Tell me, is it no money? The reason why some of you are desiring, oh, God heal me and all that is because either you have grown in the word of God and then you know that God heals or you don't have money to go to the hospital to buy drugs. Usually. So you trust God because you have grown or maybe you are in that need. You, you really need something. So how will you minister to a man like Elon Musk? How will you, will you minister to a man? Jeff Bezos. How, what will you tell him? What is it that you are looking for? A friend of mine said he has he messaged you know, I think there is this opportunity where you can message uh, Bill Gates. and then, But I, I believe that he has people that actually replies his emails and all that. He said oh, he has been trying to chat with Bill Gates to try and then convince him to Christianity and all that and all that. I said, wow, interesting. Evangelism, like he's doing well. <laughs> you know? But what do you think you have that can make whatever word you have for him attractive? You now you came to God because you wanted your life to become better. But there's someone whose life is already better. You, you actually want to become like him. So what is it that you can present to him? So it goes beyond the possessions. It goes beyond the needs of men. That is how serious it is. No wonder Pastor Chris was so right by saying that God wants to deposit the word of God in your spirit. Because there are certain kinds of people that they have no need of what you have to offer to them. You need to show them the spiritual relevance of the word of God in the life of a man. You need to show them about the relevance of eternity and eternal life. You know, to show them the riches of the life in the spirit. Even if mere intellectuals were, were not easily convinced until they had encounters from the spirit of God. How much more people that are that have everything? No wonder he said it in the earlier chapters, that it is difficult for a rich man to enter into the kingdom than for what? A candle to enter through the eye of the needle. That is how serious it is. May the Lord give you wisdom. May the Lord give you grace. May the Lord give you understanding. May the Lord cause you to know Him. In the name of Jesus.
May the Lord open your eyes and cause you to grow up in Him. In the name of Jesus. So, that's what I want to say. I realize that it's 71 minutes now. I have to close. But I have not started. I have not started teaching. But we'll close. I wanted to talk about how diligent you should be in discipleship. See how diligent they were. They were so diligent to the point that they left all that they had. Hey! Have you realized that maybe if you have a paper or exams or something, have you realized that no matter how important family is, you know that family is number one. Family is important. Sometimes you know that food is important. Even chilling Christ is nice. But you know you have a paper this and you know you are not well prepared. What do you do? You ignore all things. He demonstrated to us last week. This, that means he is diligent with whatever he's doing. And that same level of diligence, the intensity of that diligence must be what translated into what? Discipleship. He said, what will we get seeing that we have left all our possessions? He said, no man that has left houses, lands, husbands, wives, children, sisters, brethren. Yes, lands. He said, you are not going to be the same. I'll give you a place in my throne. And not just that, but then there's the promise of eternal life. And what? And then blessings a hundredfold. That I raised about hundred or a hundred times. That's a great blessing. That's a great blessing. So let's trust God for some of these things. Let me Hallelujah. So we'll just look at one or two scriptures and then we'll try and then close. One man defined diligence as being conscientious, assiduous, painstaking, and consistent in all duties. Diligence is also the investing or the investment of time and energy and accepting each task as a special assignment from the Lord. And using all the energies to do the task quickly and skillfully. Let me read. So diligence means being conscientious. You have a certain level of consciousness. Hallelujah. Assiduous, painstaking. Whatever it would take. Look at how painstakingly he, he went to learn because there was exams. To ignore all other things. Hmm. 
spend consistent in all duties. It's the investment of your time and energy. And the acceptance of each task as a special assignment from the Lord. And using all the energies that you have to do the task quickly and skillfully. That is diligence defined. When I was teaching you last week, I spoke about the three things which are so necessary for your spiritual maturity. I mentioned number one, your desire. You must desire to grow. And I explained that the word of God must not become mere information, but it must become a revelation to you. And I explained revelation as an awakening of your mind to that which is already within. Just as I've explained that when God looks at man, the content of man or the content of the one that has come into him is actually himself. Do you get it? So potentially, man is capable of expressing the divine life and as a result of our association with God, is that we receive great, exceeding, and precious promises that makes us partakers of the divine nature, causing us to escape the corruption in this world, which is what true lust. Do we get it? So, divinity is resident in you. Divinity is present in you. So now, what is its potential? What is the potential of the divine life in you here on earth? It will take diligence. So when it came to breaking it down concerning how we can be fruitful in the kingdom, he said, with all diligence, which I've defined, he said, add to your faith what? Virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. Hallelujah. Then he added other things. Temperance, brotherly love, brotherly kindness, Philadelphia. And then finally, agape is that if the things be in you and abound, it makes you neither barren nor unfruitful in your knowledge of God. And let me tell you this, when you know God, when you, when you decide to grow in God, what happens? There is a multiplication of grace and peace in your life. No wonder Jesus was talking about a hundredfold increase to those that have left possessions, those that have left families and all that. Look, all the idea that Jesus was trying to portray is that let your heart be with me. Let your heart be here. And whatever it takes to make everything practical, let it be. Don't just be saying in your mind, oh yes, we love the Lord, we'll do the work, we'll do the work, we'll do the work. And then years are running, the days are running. Look, it is needful, the time is now. Tell your neighbor that the time is now. It's time to serve the Lord. It's time to give your life holy. He said, give yourself holy to these things. Give thyself holy. No wonder Bishop that has a conference called Give Thyself Holy. Give thyself holy. Because it is never a loss. It is never a deficiency. It's rather an efficiency. But the world will laugh at you and say that you have missed the path. Look, don't be ashamed of one that you have come to believe in. Don't be ashamed of the word of God. Be bold on God's word. You see, when you are bold with God's word, what happens? The results of God's word follow. That's why I said meditate on the book of Acts. See how unlearned man 
that have left all things. When you look at it, when we look at the book of Acts, what was happening? These are people that have left whatever they were doing. And they followed the Lord. And what happened in their lives and ministry? He said there was a point where there were so many sick folks. And all that they, they, they knew that Peter can't come and then lay hands on everyone. All that they needed was just for Peter to pass by. See, what do you think would have been the greatest fulfillment in the life of the man that was at a beautiful gate? The man was actually looking for money. He said, you are looking at me, look at us well. You know, the expectation is that, oh, when you take money, the person will be so happy. The person will be forever grateful. Will thank you, will bless you that whatever work you do should be blessed. Only to what? Have a miracle. Done. He couldn't want everybody knows this man by the beautiful gate. The gate that couldn't beautify his life. The silver and gold have I none. I don't think he didn't have none because he was administrator. You know. But I felt that he was trying to drive your mind to something. That it is not about silver and gold. That is how Jesus shaping their minds. So silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give unto you. So does it mean that if he had silver and gold, he would have just given silver and gold? Like that. Don't you think that later maybe they would have put him into welfare and they would have sorted out? Because they had a system where as many that had brought and then they actually took care of the people. And now that he even has strength, that means he will have something to do with his hands. So that money will now flow to him and then much of the money will be used to cater for the widows and, and, and the orphans, the helpless. Do you get it? I believe that was the greatest joy. No wonder he was dancing and jumping all over. Silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give unto you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. And he realized that the man, the man wasn't re- really expecting that. So what did he do? He held him and pulled him up. Because he was expecting money, so his mind was not programmed for that. That is how, how radical it is. Have you seen why we struggle to work miracles? <laughs> because you are thinking, hey, I think, look, I'm a physiotherapist, and looking at the, uh, the size of the leg, looking at the bone, the, bone, the bone diameter, and then the muscle on it, the muscle is not capable of what, holding the entire body. Because it's looking chingalingi. You know, you do your calculation, you'll be wondering, will it be possible if you raise the person and the person will just go down? It is the reason why we are not seeing some of this. Because you are too learned. Because you are calculating. Can it be possible? So, most of us, most of the healings that are taking place, they are the ones that we do not see internal healings. So, okay, maybe there was a tumor and that one vanishes. It's because of the limitation of your of your of your of your your eyes were limited so the x-ray has said it physically you didn't see it you prayed for it and then it went they went take the x-ray or whatever imaging and then the thing was gone it is easier to relate with it's a better miracle it's, it's a glorious miracle because Charlie cancer can kill and all that <laughs> but then because you didn't see how bad the condition was but let me give you an example haven't you seen 
certain raw miracles done in certain ministries. <laughs> you can see certain sores. Some of us, if we see the sore, you run away because you know that Charlie, this one, this one, even medically, it is difficult. Paul says that I choose not to know anything amongst you except the wisdom of God. And I do not come to you with eloquency of speech and enticing words of men's wisdom. But I came to you in the power and the demonstration of the Spirit. There is a way God can psych up your mind. There is a way God can enter into a relationship with you to the point that God begins to dissolve the doubts you know what the doubts are? The doubts are the, the doubts are the knowledge. They are the, the knowledge and information you have accumulated over the years. You call them knowledge, but it's actually doubt. Hallelujah. When when you when you bring it on a spiritual scale, it is actually doubt because what? It opposes the power of God. You get it? So when you see a minister of God walking in such level of of, of, of the miraculous, it means that the person has gotten to the point that where he, he refuses to uh, he refuses to see the things the way they are. He rather contacts the realm from which these things came from. So once you can get to the source and you know how you can change from the source, you can actually cause changes. That is the mystery of what working miracles and working in healings and all that. If an angel was teaching and was talking about some strange things, let's say uh, alien invasion or something. And he was explaining about the frequencies that people see. And I know my circumstances, like uh, some of you are doctors here. You know that when people are seeing images and things, you diagnose them as what? Being schizophrenic and all that. And then you've been angel being a learned person. He has a PhD with so many, many qualifications. He doesn't just say things. Yes. He said, what if what they are saying is real? But we have just classified as hallucinations. But for all you know, they are saying from a certain dimension. They are saying from another frequency. Could you believe that sometimes people have experiences and this out-of-body experiences and, and doctors will just subject to uh, some imbalances in the, in the, in the mind and, and, and trying to refer to all sorts of things. Meanwhile, this is a testimony of someone that is that was going, like out of body experience was going. But some way someone comes back miraculously. What did Jesus say when he was talking to Abraham's when he was given the parable of the uh, the rich man and and Lazarus? He said, Look, Moses and the other preachers are on the earth and they are preaching. And even if we should send a man from this realm, from this side to your place, they will still not believe. That is the, the, the thickness of the unbelief and the doubt of men. Because they refuse to see anything that has to do with the supernatural. If somebody has come back from the dead, it's, to us, it is beyond the natural, right? If someone is talking about visions and dreams and prophecies, to us, what are these people saying? No wonder on the day of Pentecost when they were speaking in tongues. These people said, ah! They started mocking. 
and say that, hey, these people, they are drunk with a new wine. Indeed, they saw that they were drunk and it was a new wine. They said it rightly, but they thought they were saying it in mockery. And Peter told them, okay, uh, you've said it rightly, but though you were thinking that it's physical wine, it is not physical. No physical wine can cause men to speak in, in certain, certain language such that each man had each man speak in his own language. Go and sit down and then listen to, try and then look at the context from which he spoke. Like, as Eben was speaking, if, if I'm one of the outsiders, I can hear Eben speaking in my own language. Then, another person who is from, who is a gang, is also hearing Eben speaking in his own language. Another person that's, that's from another country, is also hearing Eben speaking in his own, own language. And they marveled. So you realize that this was a very, very, very amazing thing that happened. He said, oh, it is just 9 a.m. in the morning. And we know that usually you drink in the night and you sleep. And, you know, it's usually in, in, in Ghana, the bars open in the evening. But I learned that it's a, a little bit different in certain parts of uh, Africa. One of my... my uh, Officers at work said, oh, in his country, he came here and he wanted to find a place to drink. He realized that this place, they open, they only open in the evening. He said from where he comes from, Kenya, they open in the morning. It's like from morning to, yeah, throughout the day. Yeah, so even Ghana is, is doing well. He said, he said, oh, it's only what? 9 a.m. in the morning. Like, who oh, go and drink at this time, you see? Then he started breaking down. That this is the promise. Or Jesus told him that don't go anywhere. But wait until the Spirit be sent from on high. Said, he, shall, he shall empower you to be witnesses unto me. No wonder when he came, the place was shaken with a wind blast. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost. That was the secret of their explosive ministries. And many were added to the church daily because they could not deny. And even people that were, were sorcerers, that were operating, they, they understand the realms of the spirit to some extent. They also wondered. And they even came to the Lord. Wondered that what kind of power is this? And even after they have come, they were still wondering, oh, this thing, can I pay for it? So said, no, go and change your mind. Change your mind and repent. Change your mind. The Lord is good. Hallelujah. So this is what I can say. I will, I will have to end here. I will have to end here. I have not actually started a message. Hopefully we will, we will have to continue. I will break down. We will look at a few scriptures. We will look at the DDDDDDDs. What I wanted to teach on there. What I was teaching from the day of uh, the Christ, uh, New Year's Eve. I'll break everything down for you. But if there's anything, you have to be diligent. And use all the opportunity, the time that you have to serve this cause. The reason why these people will go so far is because they left all that they had to follow the Lord. As a disciple, yes, you are a follower, you are a student, and you are a learner. 
and you learn from a master. You learn the ways of a master. You follow the words of the master. No wonder when Jesus sent them in pairs. They just followed. Jesus said we should go. So we are going. And as as you go, do not take this, do not take that, do not take that, do not take that. Just go. And then instruct them to go and do what he wanted them to do. And what did they come back with? Testimonies. When Jesus says goes, and he speaks through your minister of God says, saying go, you must say I will go. And then in a what? In a hurry, you go. You don't wait for time. You know, when you wait for time to elapse, the word seems to become cold. It's not a word that is cold, though. But now you become less sensitive to the word. That's why you always have to have in memory the word that has been spoken to you and run along with it. Learn to follow. If there is anything that you have learned today, you have learned about diligence and how you are supposed to detach yourself from earthly possessions that we can serve the Lord wholeheartedly. God bless you so much, my people. God bless you. Later, I will talk about other things perseverance, punctuality, and things which are necessary. Discipline and all that. Can we be outstanding? Jesus. Jesus.